Homer said Lovecraft Country. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I almost don't want to react because reacting too big will be <sighs> almost like a. Well, now I shouldn't watch that show because they've overhyped it. No, watch yeah. the show. Yeah, watch just the show. watch it. And it's yeah. I mean, it's very adult in you know a lot of ways. Like it's yeah, there's a lot of gore all. in every episode, <laughs> the but they're always order. it's always different too. Like yeah, you know, you might have like the kind of gore of like, and this isn't an example, but just a fake example. Like maybe uh you know someone has an arm get ripped off in one episode, but and then in another episode, someone's like burned alive or something. And it's like, right. it uses like different types of horrifying things in every, I don't know, like every time I watch this show, I'm like, all right, I've got the stomach for this show now. And then they do something and I'm like, all right, I better, uh, <laughs> uh, uh. yeah, yeah. You know no, what I they, mean? They find new, new ways I need to a like, glass of water. <laughs> continue to make you uncomfortable. Cause this is like yes. a suspense sort of, horror like thriller yeah, show. this is maybe my um, favorite suspense driven show i've watched because most of the time when that's a thing it's like the plot of the show is suspenseful but this mm-hmm. every episode has like a whole new like reason for suspending for being suspenseful you know what i mean by that right absolutely i was talking this out with eva the other day or last night when we watched it um and it's it relates to what we were talking about couple episodes ago as far as um you know in what settings are we seeing black characters and are they only ever combated by racism and what i find very interesting and like not that i have the authority to like say to, to speak on this you know a ton but i just think it's interesting that all good like horrors of this type have some sort of uh commentary on something that's laid within the horror that is what makes it horrifying you know all of the good ones have some like it follows has like you know yes a lot yeah a lot a lot but like you know sexually transmitted diseases and trauma and ptsd and all those things like things following you and this is using racism as the undercurrent and also sometimes like in the forefront of the story but it's not all that it is it's not like trying to beat you over the head with the point that like racism is bad it's like racism is bad here's ways that it can be horrifying in different ways that aren't don't always relate to it um using characters that are three-dimensional and hella compelling this might uh be like something that's already been tossed around i'm not sure but i just kind of had this revelation i want to know what you think i feel like jordan peele's features could both be episodes of Lovecraft Country. Yeah, I get that. Do you know what yeah. I mean by that? Because his yeah. his features are kind of similar in that vein, where it's not just racism, but social issues are like the underlying current for what makes makes these movies intense. And I feel like this show does that episodically, and that's why I'm so I always right. look so forward to every episode because I have no idea what the next one's gonna be. And it still has kept up with that, where I finish an episode and I'm like, yeah, I would have never, ever in a million years, ever <laughs> yeah. guessed yep. what was going to come. Yeah. Um, and you can see Jordan Peele's influence in this, but also a lot of people are giving him a lot of credit. But uh, Misha Green is the main creator the of, this, right? of the show, yeah. the showrunner, and she deserves all the praise, all, all, the, of, all of the praise on this. It's project. like giving. Yeah. No, I'm not even going to make a comparison because let's just talk about Misha Green. Cause she, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
but uh, we could talk about that for a very long time. What we should get into is uh, the show you're listening to, A New Lens, uh, a project Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we watched as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. And today we have another guest. Uh, we had one last time. We got another one here. He requested this episode specifically, uh, and I completely understand why. Uh one of our best friends through uh, all of high school up through now, um, my current roommate, and a resident DM on our actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Legendary 4 Adventures. Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Sam Peterson is here with us. Hey, Sam. what's up, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller? Uh, <laughs> self-declared fan favorite. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's up, guys? Um, yeah, not much. It's great to have you on. Uh, I understand why you asked for this episode. Um, but before we get too far in, uh, we've got this thing that Sophina helped us thing. usher in. This new thing with guests. What bender do you think you are? So you told me about this a couple days ago, and then I listened to the episode with Safina. Um, I am having a very hard time thinking about it. I think so... I I I am not a firebender. I am not a waterbender. If I am mm. anything, it is an earthbender or airbender. Uh, just because like uh, I have a lot of the similar views of like the air nomads. Like I'm a vegetarian. Sure. I don't mm -hmm. kill bugs. Like I don't kill anything. I'm a pacifist. Like all this stuff. But I'm also a stubborn jerk. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> and well, yeah, uh, I mean like Ang can be stubborn at times. I that's I, true. I think. It's it's interesting. I do think the airbender is the rarest to classify people that you know. Yeah. And I do think you're one of them. I would I would agree. And I think we have you know, I think we have a little bit of uh <laughs> we might have some authority. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, that's I the suppose. word. You guys know it. But that's the thing though. I think like what we talked about last time with Sofina is there is what you think slash want to be. And what other people who really know you tell you you are, you know, right. like I deep yeah. down, I'm like, I'd love to be like an airbender or even a waterbender. But like everyone I've talked to is like, yeah, but you're a firebender. You're just you are. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, I'm a firebender. And uh, yeah, Sam, you're an airbender for sure. <laughs> but I totally when you when we asked you the question was thinking in my head, that's a toss up. Is he an earthbender? Because I, I was imagining you like making. Like Sam paints uh, miniatures for, oh, yeah. um, for like role playing tabletop games, and I never they're really them. excellent. Yeah. I don't know if there's a way we can link them below, or like maybe uh, your Instagram. Instagram, yeah, something. my Instagram is where I post yeah, most of them. I'll so. put your Instagram in the description. Hell yeah! But yeah, thinking about you just like sitting over a miniature with like, you know, Sam has some meaty hands, but he's still able to do these intricate like paintings i don't know it's just that is kind of an earthbender thing to me just imagining you just like creating oh, like that. these little miniatures and just i don't know we don't note often enough how like intricate earthbending can be it's usually like the brute right. force that's true uh strong man but they're you know like if you earthbend wrong you could kill someone just by like making oh, sure. sand when it should have been you know what i mean by that yeah, yeah. i don't know there's uh there's some stuff in Cora that uh whenever you do get around to we should we should discuss. Um, Definitely. Oh yeah. I, I'm going into Cora after this 
after this viewing of this show for sure. Even if we don't talk about it as like a, because I didn't watch it as a kid, so it might not right. work with, Neither did for I, the new but... lens. But it, I still definitely am gonna want to check it out. I think it's I think it's weird having Aang as the only like touchstone for Airbenders. Yeah. Uh, because I mean he's a very specific kid. Like he right. You're is right. The only personality in the entire show that is an Airbender. Uh, and that yeah, we that's know partially of. why it's hard to classify. Yeah, and I don't know. I I also you think give like me a Giazzo vibe though, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I guess there is more Airbenders, but just like kind of like silly, but like serious. <laughs> that's and like, another. That's what. That's another Korra thing. Just saying. Just saying. Oh. Well, I was thinking when you were talking about the miniatures, like it requires a lot of patience, and I think that's mm. something that Airbenders have a lot of. That's very know. true. Yeah, very yeah. true. I don't know. And uh, also, like the Airbenders are monks who like practice, uh, like you know. Uh, very buddhist things but also like they they teach that like doesn't mean they're not Mm -hmm. you don't have to (laughs) you don't have to be like yeah they're still humans that's the thing that comes up in the show it's come up before and it will come up in the future uh you know everybody is a person on this show comes up in this episode actually honestly that's like a lot of what this episode is kind of about (sighs) so that's one of the interesting things about this question is we could ask you what kind of bender you are but at the end of the day you're still just you you know yeah we don't know if that has anything to do with what you bend you know i was also bouncing around the idea of not being a bender of just Ooh. being someone and i don't want to say like that a, to be contrarian but just like no that's a person you like, like Sokka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not Sokka for sure but yeah yeah but like uh, that but like you yeah no i get what you mean though uh, he's just the first example i go to even though a majority of people yes. on this show don't bet <laughs> i mean right. he is a fourth of the show pretty much yeah that's true well uh let's just dive into the episode at hand uh zuko alone episode 7 of season 2 um Man. an incredible episode one that is a touchstone of the series in general uh that's referenced and talked about a lot I'll link at least one video I know. Captain Midnight's video on this episode Ooh. is very, very good. Um, but, very good. Um, We've linked him a, a couple times, by the way. He he went on a little Avatar binge for a minute with his videos oh, yeah. where he made like four of them. All of them are worth watching. If we forgot to mention one of them and you see it, just watch it. He's yeah. a great creator. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. But This uh, episode... Yeah. Uh, also, thinking about this episode, I wanted to say... I was going to say this in the beginning... I realized that this show, we say that a lot. We're like, oh, this episode is the one that I think of when I think of the, or, oh, this is like a turning point, or this is like Mm. a big character episode. If this episode, or if this show is, what is it, like 120 episodes or something like that? It's 60. It's 60. Oh, wow. It's half of that. (laughs) So of the 60 episodes, I think like 30 of them are like that, where, oh, this is like a really big episode, or, oh, this is like... A big character moment <laughs> sure and i just wanted to clarify that that is a good thing <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean that yeah. is this show is well, genuinely so solid from like this point on that we just either are going to be saying like this is a another character episode or this is a right. turning point or this is but this specific episode is like all of those things yeah a couple of things just two things i want to touch on is one this is an episode where if my parents like i didn't really watch this like early early when this show actually came out i watched it more like high school late middle school um but 
if my parents was watching this episode, they would be like, this is good. Right. And, yeah. Like, why yeah. is this a kid's show? This seems odd. Yeah, some very, it's like... It's very mature. Very yeah. mature things in this episode. And even uh, the genre, too, feels like a yeah. little bit oh, it's a uh, Western. out of it's reach based for off children. A Western. Yeah. yeah, which kids aren't, like, right. in tune with, I feel. You yeah. know? And even in the context of, like... You know, maybe 30 of the 60 episodes being like important, like ones that we could say are important in different ways. This one is vitally important to a character that we have had a certain understanding of to this point that has been, you know, developing and changing, but really flips our perception on its head. If you haven't watched the show before and you don't know where it's going, this episode changes your perception of a character in a vital way and... It's it's the only episode in the entire show that does not feature anyone of Aang and the gang. Yeah, there's only yeah. like two characters in this entire show that are reoccurring. That's fucking and that's, bold, you yeah. know. That's like the the and the other reoccurring characters are in flashbacks. Yeah, right? like Zuko is the only character that is a, this in this time. You know, like right. modern time. Yeah, that I feel like we have to. I don't know, applaud the writers uh, for deciding to do that because, oh, yeah. I mean, you're watching a show that is literally called Avatar The Last Airbender and the <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender doesn't show up once Not in the right, whole. Yeah. Um, that's for a kid's show. I mean, you know that there were kids who tuned in and if they would have been told like, this episode won't have Aang. They would have been like really upset. Yeah. <laughs> but right. because of how good the episode is, you don't even realize it. Even as a kid, I wouldn't have realized it, I don't think. I would have ended this episode yeah. and been like, whoa, you know? Right. This, great. Was, this was the first episode that I think, like why I wanted it to do do this one so much is it's the first episode that I think I got chills watching, like Ooh, hands yeah. down. I mean, I love the rest of the earlier episodes but this one just hits so it makes you realize hard. What yeah. You, yeah i want to address gary you were talking about you know we got to give props to the creators uh for making and the writers for making this episode and i want to point out this episode is written and directed by uh both women written by elizabeth welsh ehaz e-h-a-s-z i'm not sure oh, exactly is, how to pronounce that and directed in... by our mvp lauren mcmullen Oh my God, <laughs> Lauren! Yeah. You got to get on this Lauren. show, <laughs> Lauren. We want to talk to you. Oh man, we've got some stuff to talk to you is, about. Uh, man, is, you're good. Ahaz, that's the same last name as Aaron Ahaz, who's a writer on the show too, oh, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe they're of relation, right? Well, yeah, we'll really cool. Look into that. Um, um, but we should. Uh, we should get into recapping. Yeah, it's it really easy to just talk. <laughs> yeah, let's moment do this. by moment. Well, I think this is one that uh, warrants a lot of uh, you know sort yeah, of definitely. pre-production yeah. and uh, general talk. But um, uh, the course of this episode is fairly simple. We open up on Zuko struggling by himself, basically starving, unable to find food, uh, stumbling his way through the desert. We see him encounter a few different things, and he comes to this town. Uh, where he has an encounter with these Earth Nation army uh, folks who are, you know, supposedly working for the army to protect this town from the Fire Nation, but as of the vendor he's talking to puts it, are really just bullies. Um, and he chooses not to rat out this kid who threw an egg at one of them, and the kid thanks him for that and leads him back to his family farm, 
where we find this uh, small family, uh, mother, father, and this kid, whose other son have is, has gone off to fight in the war, and um, they shelter him. They, you know, he helps them out with some work on the farm. They feed him. Throughout all of this, Zuko begins to have these flashbacks of his childhood, and we get some backstory on his relationship with his mother, uh, yet to be introduced until now, and his relationship with Azula and Azula's friends, Ty Lee and May, and his relationship with his grandfather and his father, and this sort of plotting that he's starting to realize his or, you know, he is recalling his father um, starting to plan. And eventually, back in the present day, you know, he he has this sweet moment teaching the kid who takes his blades and makes a connection there. And the next day, these guards show up again at the family home. And after Zuko leaves, they come back and basically take away this young kid that he had made a bond with. Uh, and Zuko goes to confront them in the town and, you know, trying to hide who he is, but take down these bullies, essentially. And there's this incredible final scene, uh, all of that we'll talk about. Um, man, the first shots panning down in this hot desert, you get the feeling that it's hot. Dead tree. There's you just that. know there's no water. Yeah. You know? There, there's haze throughout this episode, like a fog laid onto a lot like of it to, for, for heat. The miragey sort of sort of thing, and also lens flares on the sun, mm-hmm. which would not, you know, doesn't happen naturally. Yeah, and, that's so like, cool. Um, and then the first shot of Zuko's face, just and just his sullen, sunken. His cheekbones are sticking out. He is malnourished. He is not doing well. Well, speaking, like, the flashback or the, I don't know, the catch-up from the last episodes is all about Zuko struggling and fighting on his own. Right. And then it immediately goes into this. And also with the camera work, I noticed uh, no talking for a minute and a half. Like, imagine that. Imagine watching that as a kid and there's no talking. That's so true. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even that. register that, but that yeah. that's so true. That's really, really incredible. And that's any any time you watch a show for a kid, they're going to tell you right away the point of the episode. You know, that's right. how every episode starts. And this episode does that too, but visually, which is, yeah, I didn't even realize it. That's so cool. And they like, accomplish so much. They portray so much, you know, like the, yeah. um, the all of the implications that he's in the desert and how hot it is also implying how middle of nowhere he is you know they we don't see many other people i was thinking of what the function of him walking across this bridge is one thing the blue the water underneath the bridge is the only yeah. blue that we see the entire episode wow apart and from the sky yeah, apart no, yeah. the sky is even like the I mean, sky maybe is blue. Sky, I noticed it's no, it's like oversaturated. Orange. It's yeah, like it's yeah. white in all the flashbacks and in all the you know yeah. modern stuff. It is like a sepia or an orange mm-hmm. tone. And also, he walks through a battlefield. Like he walks through. Yeah, there's Those like stone discs everywhere, yeah. which we yep. see earlier in the show are what Earthbenders use to fight. They like right. create them out of the ground and throw them and stuff. 
Yeah. That's like the coolest shot in like my I love that shot, him just going through these coins and like Right. And the perspective through the center square of these giant stone coins, basically. Oh. And the bridge, like I was wondering, I was trying to, you know, figure out what the function of that in the episode is, and it's partially just showing how middle of nowhere he is like this bridge clearly hasn't been crossed very much or up yeah. at all i and honestly also, didn't think about that till the second time i watched it like oh also, wait nobody's been yeah. on it and also like him struggling like it's just showing him having a hard time even just getting from place to place you know mm-hmm. um there's something about the way that that is uh the sequence of shots like showing him crossing then the leg bursting through the mm-hmm. underside of the bridge him rearing up on the thing there's never a moment where he f- is falling like he seems pretty in control the whole time but just the way it's shot creates this like natural tension for the rest of the episode now you're just always like shit that bridge could break even when he's right. not on the bridge you know mm-hmm. and the scene of him seeing this couple accomplishes so much emotionally you know like not just story-wise but everything going on with him like he's hungry he sees this cooking food he's his first impulse is to get his weapons out and steal it and then he sees this pregnant woman and we realize he still has empathy like he sees that and immediately he goes i can't like he doesn't consider it really he sees this pregnant woman and he goes damn it and he puts his sword back in and and continues on it allows us to empathize with him even though he's on his own and has been stealing from people he still has some sort of sense of morality that he's grappling with and there are some lines that he just won't cross i was gonna say because it comes up later in the episode i think it's a big thing with his honor as well like Mm. his honor is stopping him from just asking for some food because chances are those people do have it totally Yeah, and that's a big thing that stops him later in the episode when the family offers him help and the mother's like, oh, this guy has some honor. I'm going to have him Mm -hmm. work for it first. And then, yeah, I love that. Good. Um, Right. And I'm just realizing as we're talking about it, his one like connection to empathy, like the thing that is keeping him a human being, which we don't know about until this episode, is his connection to his mother. Yeah. So him seeing a pregnant woman probably. Right was a like in that moment if she wasn't pregnant or if it was someone else or something he probably would have stolen it but just i don't know like there's just this attachment to his mother i think that makes him realize like this is a mother like i can't you know and that even comes up throughout the episode with his mom talking to him about feeding the ducks and how a mother will always protect her kids and right yeah also i just wanted to point out because we don't talk about little details as much on this show but it's you know every night when we do i love it uh the way that this couple are cooking they have like four sticks with mm. a piece of meat, like mm. it, making like a tabletop, the four sticks being the table's legs. And then <laughs> there's just a fire under the piece of meat. I don't know. I just thought that was so cool, like how they just like were cooking a slab of meat on a yeah. fire. And it's, I don't know, very Avatar, you know, like we're <laughs> in a universe of like camping and cooking on a fire. I love it. Yeah. We cut away to these these people gambling in the town that he's arriving at and come on spider snake eyes and he rolls in its fives and he's like yeah (laughs) you know a little uh diverting of expectation you know snake eyes is ones spider snake eyes would have more eyes because it's a spider you know and is it a spider snake 
Like, is that a thing in the show? I guess like so. Spider snake. I mean, that's yeah. what he says. Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, no fuck fuck that. <laughs> now, is with that the... a snake with eight legs? <laughs> right, is that I was a just gonna s- say. snake with a spider's head? What? Is that a, a spider with a snake head? <laughs> oh, that's probably what it is. That's terrifying. That's I don't like that. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Uh, I, don't like I don't want any of those. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Um Zuko tries to buy, you know some feed for his uh ostrich horse i think it is i don't think they yeah, ever we finally things, got the name it's an ostrich we finally Did got they? it yeah the Did kid they? calls yeah. it one he oh, calls okay. it an ostrich i'll okay, go feed nice. your ostrich horse nice finally okay. um horse bird thingy was what it was called <laughs> yeah right he doesn't have enough money to pay for food for himself so he tries to get more feed and these kids throw an egg at uh one of these earth nation army dudes and um this lead guy i I think he did a ton of the, the leader of this group. I think that actor has done a ton of stuff on Fairly Odd Parents because he's done a bunch of roles on there. I knew I could recognize his voice, but I wasn't sure exactly why. And that's the only thing that I could saw that I saw that I could recognize. His name is Gary Sturgis. Just wanted to shout mm, uh, oh, shout out that actor. Um, but <laughs> I love that you know they're trying to be like you throw that egg at us and he's like no maybe a chicken flew over one of the dudes cracks up <laughs> yeah the leader just like looks at him um and it's clearly like this group is led by this dude i mean they're all shitty people but mm-hmm. clearly this uh this leader i don't know if they ever say say his name in the episode i don't think they say his name on the wiki uh his name is gao G-O-W. Oh, uh, maybe but they do say it. I, I feel like I remember that. I don't remember. But uh, they take they take his stuff away, and that's when they say, um, the army thanks you. The Earth Nation mm-hmm. army thanks you. And that's when we realize these, like, gamblers and roughhousers are supposedly Earth Nation army people. And it's, it's more of this developing world-building thing that we were talking about in the first episode of this season that gets introduced uh, throughout the the episodes of this season is you know not every not everybody in the earth nation are good guys there's moral gray area there are good guys and bad guys on both sides of you know this conflict of the war uh and these are definitely some not great dudes yeah i, I think this is a big like western moment this is oh, kind of yeah. where you start to see like there's close-up face shots like mm-hmm. every other cut is a face-up <laughs> right. close shot and then the guy goes and pats his hammer as if it's a gun right oh, I <laughs> yeah, love the totally. hammer pat <laughs> those hammers are so cool too yeah and on the close-ups too i think it's cool how this episode utilizes them because even in the flashbacks we uh have close-ups of like which we'll get to but like fire lord ozai Mm-hmm. And they use them so we don't see his whole face. <gasps> right, yeah, yeah. Add some suspense. Uh, exactly. I like that this this kid just starts leading him on his his steed to the kid's family's home. Because Zuko would not have accepted it otherwise. He's he's too oh, proud yeah. and too... I don't know, he, he almost like wants to be struggling through this alone in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah, They. it's like in the uh episode of um the the north siege of the north i think it's called Mm -hmm. when they're Mm -hmm. when he's got ang in the cave and he says i struggle to get where i am that's Mm -hmm. what makes me strong it almost feels throughout this episode like he's aware that this is a moment for him like this Mm -hmm. episode is strengthening him and he knows it Mm -hmm. but he's so far down Mm 
like so rock bottom that yeah he'll just like let this kid lead him yeah you know he needs it can, can we talk about can we talk about how every animal on this farm is a pig something <laughs> yes <laughs> there's and like it's pig like, sheep there's like a pig pigs. with antlers yeah the pig, that's not even a pig. farm animal it's just a pig moose or like a pigaboo like what yeah <laughs> It's That's so good. So it awesome. Looks and it this, makes like, you wonder, pig. okay, so is this, are animals in this show the same as animals in our world, except species can breed? Like, that's the only difference. So, like, that's what this is. It's just, like, a bunch of animals that are breeding with pigs. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> I don't like the thought of, I really don't like yeah, the don't thought like of that. that. Me neither, but, I mean, why? Why are there so think, many pig animals? I, I like, think the classifications. rooster... The rooster pig is hatched out of an egg, and the rest are just kind of like breeds. <laughs> the rest like, just appear. I don't want to think no, about no, these animals. The fucking... like pig sheep, the pig cow, they're all like breeds of half pigs, and then okay. they lay eggs that are the roosters, and the roosters eventually turn into the other pigs. <laughs> You know, like that's what I'm gonna go with. That's what okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, that's my that head. Seems the most humane. <laughs> you can't think about it too hard. You know, no, no, <laughs> yeah. it makes zero sense. Um, I like these these folks. They feel noble. You know, they feel. Um, and the the voice acting especially gets that across. They're not oh, yeah. uh, villager number one and repeated voice actor number two. It right. they have personality. Even the kid. Even the kid has like a little bit of an ang quality, like to mm -hmm. his voice, but he's unique. He has like, uh, and even if I found out, like, I didn't, I don't look up the voice actors as much as I should. I should start doing that more often, like you do, Calvin. But if I were I, to find I out that that know. kid is the same actor that plays Ang, I wouldn't be surprised because there is uh, so much going on in the performance that it, you know what I mean by that? It yeah. can make you uh, realize a whole different character. Yeah. Um, it's not Ang, by the way. It is Robbie Bruce is his name. Robbie Bruce. Good um, job, Robbie. But this family makes me think of the last time we saw Zuko with his uncle, with Iroh. Mm -hmm. And Iroh's, you know, commenting on there is a, a quiet nobility in poverty or, or something something along those lines. I think that that's it. But um, it makes me think of this family because they have principles that they're um you know abiding by and he further learns how wreaking havoc these bullies of the town are um by the way that this family talks about them and i was thinking like you know on either side of an argument there could be people being like those people are just you know you know like trying to discredit other people but the the reason you know you can be on these people's side is because they are on the losing end of it. So they have mm -hmm. justification to be mad. Makes yeah. me think of, you know, other larger social things that we could get into. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think that's super interesting. Um, <laughs> and also <laughs> the <laughs> when they cut away to Zuko trying to help him like <laughs> fix this <laughs> roof. He's, he's never so used bad. a hammer. He's, he's so never used a hammer in his he's life. He's never touched a hammer. No. And that's what makes the kid notice. Like, right. You're not from around here, are you? When you look at the nails, there are just like 10 crumpled nails yeah. on this battered piece of wood. <laughs> this kid keeps asking him questions and the, the father's like, 
don't ask questions that you know someone might not want to talk about yeah <laughs> how'd you get your scar <laughs> smacks his thumb that's a great piece of advice too that i feel like not enough people give their kids don't ask questions about something someone might not want to talk about. I don't know. Like, that's so simple, but I just feel like that's not often enough given. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it feels very similar to the John Mulaney bit of, like, their dad sat them down beforehand, like, two weeks and was like, now the hotel owner does not have an arm. Don't <laughs> right. ask him about it. Right. Yeah. And then the first thing they do is ask him about it. Well, so. I was born without an arm. Ah, nah. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then we get to our first flashback, don't we? Yeah, uh, we do. And what sends him to it is this father saying, a man's past is his own business. Mm -hmm. And that gets him thinking about what was already on his mind, which I think, his you know, past. we had a quick flash of his mother. He's longing for that connection that he's been so long dislodged from. And now that he's, you know, separate from everything, basically, that's where, where mm -hmm. his mind's going. And this guy saying this leads him to this happy memory with his mom. Uh, uh, around a pool, uh, what what would you call that? A pond, around, like a it's like right, a around a just a, a small pond, pond on the estate uh, yeah. with these uh, turtle ducks. We've got this sepia tone, you know, flashback thing that's been established in, you know, when they tell a tale or something, there might be a different art style, but it's pretty consistently when there's an actual flashback, it's this sort of sepia tone thing, mm -hmm. um, and it's like almost oversaturated too, where like when they're outside i didn't notice this until the second time watching it but there is never uh, a sky in these flashbacks if you look mm. at the sky it's just white out because mm. it's yeah. i don't know if you've ever done that on a camera where you you can change exposure. like the exposure and it almost feels overexposed mm. but it's this cool because that's an in-camera trick right. and they do it animated yeah. i don't know i, <laughs> totally, I love it totally. when the show does that all the time too um but it also makes you think too like these flashbacks are full on he's having memories now. You know what I mean? They're not just like uh, us seeing his past. We're seeing right. his memory of the past. Right. And uh, that's it's kind of a cool way to convey that as well, even though I'd say that these aren't unreliable narrator memories. These are exact replicas of what like, I, I think mm -hmm. this is exactly what happened. And that's why like him remembering it now, I think he's almost even realizing like, all these things that as a kid he probably didn't notice like right. what his dad and what his grandfather was saying what his mom was trying to tell him like mm -hmm. it's becoming clearer now in his age yeah i mean so much of it isn't told though like we don't know right. what his mom did that's true we don't know like if azulon actually told ozai like yeah you get my yeah. blessing like we don't know that we don't know if azula actually heard that his punishment was to kill zuko getting ahead right. of ourselves well, a little I bit mean, but we don't know yeah, anything that's yeah. the thing you know what like, he knows these are yeah. yeah these are his memories we're seeing mm -hmm. what happened through his perspective it's um, not omniscient mm -hmm. and you feel the love his mother has for her children which is wild to see from the background that we've understood he's come from it mm -hmm. seemed to be just complete harsh like brutal militaristic sentiments given to him in his childhood sam you're having an oh my god face yeah so uh the big part of the first flashback is uh zuko's mom who is it is later said her name is ursa like yeah. a bear like a mama oh. bear but um <laughs> nice. but it her she's basically saying like why did you do that 
lucky because he threw bread at a turtle duck and right. the turtle duck mom bit him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she says, like, well, that's what happens with mothers. If you threaten their children, they bite back. Yeah. Later on, if Ozai did actually threaten Zuko's life by saying, right. like, sacrifice him, then Ursa bit back? Yeah. Maybe? I have theories about what happened. Um, I have a lot of th- I think it's said later in the show, or, like, Azula maybe says it. Like in the finale, it's, yeah, we'll we'll have to but, like dabble with yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not gonna, but yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I really like the detail with the with the children in these flashbacks. The fact that May and I don't think Tylee speaks in this, but and Azula, May and Azula at least have the same voice actors as they are when they're older, mm-hmm. and young Zuko has a different voice actor, which you could yeah. partially be like, you know, uh, women their voices mature and become what they'll sound like as adults faster or whatever, that sort of thing. But in my mind, it's like, especially with Azula, she was how she is from the moment she was born. Exactly. And Zuko He's gone has, through a change. has gone through such a change. He's a different person in these flashbacks than he is now. And the the like pure sort of lighthearted kid voice that's used as the oh man, the young Zuko compared to Dante Basco's raspy brooding tones are is very very clear. Um that's just good voice casting, you know. Yeah. Um we get our our first. I don't remember how much in the entire show, but we get a glimpse of Iroh in the past when he was at war. We get this image of the walls of Bossing Say broken, which we haven't seen Bossing Say yet. But we see how enormous these walls are and this giant crack in it. He broke the walls of Bossing Say, and uh, him writing this letter, and you can feel this sort of jovialness that Iroh has always carried with him, but you mm-hmm. also get a feeling that this is a distinctly different Iroh than yeah. we know now. Uh, with him joking about burning down, right. if we don't burn down the city first. But you know? even the beginning of that sentence, he says, you should see this city. It is something to behold. Like, he is appreciating the architecture and the beauty. Yeah, and, and the, the gifts the he sends the, are the gifts Earth he Nation are Culture things. of the Earth Nation. Yeah. Um, the, this dagger was dropped by a general of the Earth Nation. That there's a lot of Iroh, Iroh hints going on here. Because mm-hmm. like uh, later when Azula is talking to Zuko about him, she calls him an old tea drinking, something like that. She says that tea drinking old fool. Blah 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 blah. Right. Like he has. I'm sure he's like the same guy. But the morals that are within him are based on this, like, systemic, uh, patriotic, Fire Nation, militaristic, as you used before. Like, I think it's all, like, they're very, very surface-level things that make him do things he probably wouldn't do if he, like, looked within himself. Which we know he eventually will do, because we know him now, you know? Uh, But, yeah, I thought that was interesting, because I always wondered... You know, when you watch the show, just like kind of watching it when I, you know, the first time I ever watched it as a kid, I was always like, what happened to Iroh? Like, what's his story? And they kind of, they give you enough hints that you can kind of piece it together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, They get this letter from Iroh in the flashback. Uh, Azula starts commenting on, you know, if Iroh never came back from the war, wouldn't dad be next in line? Which, you know, establishes 
Iroh's the older brother, which I think we've assumed, but now we know for sure. And like, that's the line of succession. And she mentions Lu Ten, or he, Zuko mentions Lu Ten because he's like, Azula, how would you feel if Lu Ten wanted dad to die? Draw, you know, sort of establishing the family tree in our minds without, you know, mm-hmm. being too explicit about it, I think it's well done. Um, and that's when we, we come back to the present day. This kid sneaks in to the barn where they've clearly allowed Zuko to stay for the night, which is another thing you know is, is just like, please, like, please stay. There's a bed of hay. It's comfortable out there. Zuko is uh, sleeping there. This kid steals these blades, sneaks out with them. Zuko opens his eyes. He was clearly awake the whole time. And he lets this kid sneak out with his blades and, like, fuck around with them. And clearly just like, ah, like, stabbing this stump is not holding them <laughs> very well. Like, he looks clunky with them. And Zuko approaches him and you're holding them all wrong. Kid falls down. Uh, they're two, you have to think of them as two halves of a single weapon. And this is an element that, you know, you can tell he learned from the environment that he grew up in that can be beneficial, like a discipline of a certain sort, an appreciation of a certain art form, even though this art form happens to be weaponry and like that could be used for war. But, you know, it helps add more depth. Like we've seen him be skilled with these things, but to hear him talk about the like methodology of using these blades, it just feels to me like it adds more and more depth. I like to imagine too that he when you now we kind of know enough about him like we know that when the age he was when his dad scarred him mm-hmm. and we know that how old he is in these flashbacks and how not to you know be like that but kind of talentless he was mm. as a kid right and we know that he's like fucking talented now teaching yeah. this kid it almost makes you realize like dude Iro was the one who like taught him how to teach you mm-hmm. know what i mean by that like this yeah, little moment right. between him and this kid definitely happened between him and iroh at some point yeah unless you know there was a period of time where someone else was teaching him how to use those blades or maybe he taught himself you know because right. that's another thing that this episode kind of drives home is like who did he have you know until mm-hmm. he had iroh who did he have yeah and uh yeah i don't know i i didn't realize it until taking notes but i was like wait a second like how did he learn all this when we look in his past he's like kind of a not a great firebender and like these those two ladies who teach um azula yeah they're probably not his teacher you know they're all right. perfectionists yeah. and she's, yeah i don't know so it's just kind of interesting to think about how he got to that point and yeah. cool to see him use words in the same way that you know iroh would you know mm-hmm. um and he bestows this stuff onto this kid and he says, you should meet my brother Sinsu someday. He showed me a lot of this kind of stuff, which I think is an important quick note mm-hmm. uh, to give background to what he eventually does in the episode. Like Zuko definitely influenced him, but he was sort of a catalyst for, you know, things that he had already learned from his brothers and wanted to be a part of from a younger age. These soldiers the next morning come to the family and tell them that their son's battalion has been captured and sort of mock them and say, you know, you heard what happened to the last battalion that that happened to. They 
put them in Fire Nation ar- armor and put them on the front line unarmed. And then this guy, and then one of the guys spits. <laughs> they like, they're being extremely disrespectful and brutal to this family to put their position of power over them. I, I kind of thought that the guy was spitting at the Fire Nation. I mean, still, like, That's they are definitely being dicks, but he does say, like, yeah. the f- what the Fire Nation did and then spits. I mean, uh, I also that's, think that's fair. Zuko gives this look where I don't know if he knows, like, this is what the Fire Nation has done in the past mm. or if he knows, like, Sensu's already dead. Like, just like Iroh's yeah. son was already dead. Like, Right. Yeah, and later he does say, like, They've already lost a kid to the war. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say like they're worried about their son in the war. He says they've lost someone to the war. Yep. I always leave this episode optimistic, hoping that this dad will come back one day with their son. Yeah. Um, but we don't, I don't think we actually find out, do we? Yeah, I, I don't remember. I, I don't think so. Um, as soon as, you know, they walk away, he's thinking about the son being at war, probably dead. He mm-hmm. thinks, you know, he remembers hearing that Lu Ten, their cousin, Iroh's son, is dead. He makes the connection to this kid's brother. And there's just a seamless, like, in editing and writing, making those connections. And the father says he's going to be going to the front. The kid asks him to stay. And he says he can't. Uh, I think because he knows he'll, by staying too long, only bring more trouble to this town. Mm. Because he is, you know, the, the banished prince of the Fire Nation. But he gives this knife to the kid. This knife that says, uh, never give up without a fight. Um, which actually, I brought up in the episode, in the first episode of the season, when we see him cut his hair with this knife. And it's um, the same, which is really good. too, because uh, you said that in yeah, that episode. Yeah, object continuity. I did. Um, so now we're getting more like reason for that to say that you know what i mean like that has more meaning now and now we know also that this dagger came from a surrendered earth nation general and he's giving it back to an earth nation kid it kind of feels like returning that you know totally object to and it's they they make the joke of like made in earth kingdom which Mm -hmm. is funny like made in china yeah (laughs) um but it also feels to me like it has this sort of grander connotation to it and then we get this flashback to zuko playing with the knife he pretends to like get knocked over uh and azula is just being so fucked up that literally her mom is like what is wrong with that kid yeah Yeah, she says it to herself too i think that's important to note this isn't even necessarily zuko's memory this is a little glimpse for us to know that (laughs) yeah yeah, no she is that fucked up like even her mom and this is like the character who would be like, it's okay. Right. The only one. And she's mm-hmm. like, what is wrong with this kid? <laughs> this also strikes me as, I think this is Zuko's first run in with death. The way that he says when Azula says, you know, uncle's a quitter. He's just going to come home. And he said, you know, he's probably just sad that his only kid is gone. And he pauses and looks down and says, forever. Like, yeah. I think this is Zuko's Him first experience what that with means. death and what it means and it just feels very profound to me. It's 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 a quick moment in the episode but yeah, it's it's intense. It also uh now we like fully fully understand um 
you know, I this is something that you I think after watching the show, you kind of forget that it happens so naturally and organically. But we now know everything like especially like Iroh's backstory. We get it mm-hmm. now. We get yep. who he was like he was this tea drinking, like kind old man who still made jokes about burning down in Earth City. Right. And then he lost his only son, and now he's being... Questioned the morality of war, and, like, exactly. what and, for. Exactly, and they're talking yeah. about him, but we still know, like, yeah, he mm-hmm. definitely... This is right. Like, he, he is mm-hmm. probably, like, completely different now, you know? Right. Um, and we see yeah. what Zuko was before he had the influence of humanity and kindness in his life taken away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes what we now know him to be even more tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, they have this presentation in front of Azulon, their grandfather, um, who, by the way, I wanted to mention when Azula said, uh, you know, dad, uh, would be the next, you know, she's talking about the line of succession. Uh, Ursa, their mom says Azulon is a perfect picture of health. Mm-hmm. So like he's in good health. And that's mm-hmm. important as we move forward. I think forward. that's important for Even sure. Even though he looks old, you know, he's got some like spots on his forehead and, you know, gray hair. Uh, he still feels commanding and, mm-hmm. you know, powerful. Alive, um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Azula has her show of firebending. Zuko, you know, feels jealous or like feels like he needs to prove himself. He gets up and he fails. And it is, you know, it's interesting. He does keep pushing through, and that is something that it's not just something that feels like they're establishing just now in this flashback. They're showing that something that we have seen in Zuko has been a part of him, a like defining character trait his entire life. He yeah. when he fails, he keeps going, he keeps moving. He makes this first like attempt at a kick blast and he falls down and he just gets up and does it again like two more times. And he might get down on himself, but, like, he kept going, mm-hmm. um, which is something we've seen him do throughout the series. When he's got something in mind that he wants to do, capture the Avatar, which is huge stakes compared to just, like, proving himself to his grandfather, he's going to do everything in his power to try and accomplish that goal, even after he fails again and again. Um, and his mom tries to tell comfort him, him. Yeah. Com- comfort him and show him that in a healthy way. Like, you are someone who keeps going even uh, when you fail. And that's, I feel like, something that he has internalized and brought to an unhealthy point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, why do you guys think Azula takes Zuko aside as they're leaving in order to hear this conversation? Do you think she has some sort of, like, insight that, something's going I on. I think she does this all the time and she's doing it with him for the first time to show him like I think she's been doing this for a while and it's why she's like the way she is. She's like, "Yo, just so you know, behind the scenes, this is These guys are about. ruthless. They don't give a yeah. fuck about you." Yeah. And I know that. She also and, seems uh, like she knows more than everybody else. It's crazy. Everything she says yeah, right. doesn't feel like a, a little kid just being mean. It feels like a true prediction. Like, she yeah. knows. It's weird. This is also a moment where I drew parallels between Ozai trying to, like, take over the throne by basically, like, disowning his older brother. Yeah. And Azula 
is oh, trying to disown. Oh, wow. So, like, she is she wants Ozai to become the Fire Lord so she can disown Zuko so she can become the Fire Lord. Wow. Like, she has wanted to be the Fire Crazy. Lord since she was fucking born. Yeah, Holy you're right. Holy shit, that's, that's a really good that's point. That's mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. This episode's good. Oh, yeah, man. it is. Yeah, Holy it is. shit. Uh, uh, Zulan that, is very... Yeah, that's when this he moment, brings it up. He's like, it you would have you me betrayed my eldest child. Yes, yeah. he like. Don't you think he's suffered enough? I think that our whole idea of the Fire Nation up until this point has been basically like evil, just one hundred percent the essence of Very. evil. And we're <laughs> now realizing that that's Ozai. That the Fire Nation was, uh, they started a war for reasons we haven't yet learned. And they are militaristic, they're mm. patriotic, and they're blinded by this lust for power. Mm. But Ozai is specifically evil. Right. Yeah. And I think that we now get that. Like, we mm-hmm. know, like, the Fire Nation isn't good. This is a a powerful state that is trying to take over, and they can. That's not good. Mm. But Ozai is an evil person in the middle of it all now. And mm-hmm. it just it it distinctly uh, creates like a whole nother level of threat that we already had, but now we understand it. You know what I mean? Like we already knew he was like that, but now we understand it. Uh, it's not just in a universe where bad guy is bad guy. Right. He's like the only one that's that bad. Him and Azula, maybe we're starting to realize right. she might be too. You know? Yeah, it's crazy. Ooh, and she learned by sneaking aside just and by watching, watching these yep. things. Do you think she is lying? When she comes to Zuko's room and says that she heard Azulon was going to order Zuko to be killed so that Ozai would know what it's like to lose his firstborn son. I don't think she's lying. I don't either. It feels too... She she is the kind of person that would just tell him that you know what i mean like mm-hmm. if it wasn't said she wouldn't come up with something fake she would come up with something that is or she would just tell him something i don't know you know what i mean by that like she's evil but i don't feel like she makes shit up yeah just based I, on her evil the way I she feel is like she does though but it's very possible yeah that you're right like just there's also this deceiving. feeling that she's a kid like she is actually mm-hmm. a child in this and she's might be actually warning Zuko being like hey your life's in danger yeah. you should get out of here like hey mm. it helps me it helps you like right yeah just get wow, out of yeah. here just like she does and maybe go she live with an earth family that. like yeah mm. <sighs> oh man but also Azula never lies like that's a big quote in this episode where Zuko is just saying like Azula yeah. never lies and Azula always lies always lies I'm sorry <laughs> Azula always yeah. tells the truth Azula <laughs> yeah. never lies <laughs> I uh, like that moment too of him repeating that and then being yeah. man Zuko saying it, but you just feel little boy Zuko underneath it all because Which of is seeing, you know. Another confirmation that these are things that he is actively remembering and not just flashbacks yep. that are being interwoven. Him cool. saying that has nothing it's to do so with cinematic, what's going on with him you know? right now. It it's, feels yeah. like a right. Western movie. Like this, it really yeah. does. Like the Unforgiven or something. Vocal performance of this mother as she comes and like yeah. tells him that her son's been taken away. Her name's Susan Eisenberg, this uh this voice actor. And uh man, it's effective. Like Yeah, it is. And you see him just 
steel himself like he he's gonna take these guys down you know and this is one of the biggest moments that i noticed this haze um this sort of yeah. mirage haze when he arrives at town to confront these people and he takes yes. his hat off and we see how long his hair has grown and him sort of you know <laughs> i was about to say this i realized sam has just shaved his head which i did <laughs> two and a half months ago but we see like his hair growing into hair again like a hairstyle and he's sort of looking like a person again instead of this like completely head shaven or just fuzz on his head thing sam you look like a person you look like a very <laughs> handsome person but uh do you get what i Thank mean by you. that absolutely I, that, looking like a person is exactly <laughs> what i want oh no is he a space vampire <laughs> oh. um <laughs> tune in every monday and what day uh <laughs> it's every other friday but um yeah. both these, these these guys are bullies he points it out he says you're just asserting your power over mostly women and kids which is like a cowardly thing to do. Um, and these guys go to attack him and he takes three of them out without putting in like any effort or taking out his weapon or anything. He just butts this dude with the hilt of his sword. Oh, the, such a the cool head shot. Grab and the and the angles used in this <sighs> just, oh, they make him powerful. They make his movements quick because of how stylized and, um, you know, dramatic these angles are, which are harder to animate and are very effective at heightening the moment. Um, that head grab feels like an Iroh thing, you know? I oh. can just see Iroh doing that. Sure, yeah. Stop! Just like, <laughs> you're right, yeah. You know? Um, All of the animation time was spent on this, like, oh, on this yeah. scene. Because there's, like, multiple shots where it's just, like, a static picture just slowly right. panning and just talking. Yeah. That's and true. this this scene is just packed with amazing oh. animation. Some of the best that we've seen. I, oh my god, this dude with the hammers. Oh gets man, up, uh, whoever did the, the choreography, first... like the there, you know, they do martial arts work for all of these things. Whoever did yeah. his Oof. is so cool. I don't know. There's just the way he like holds the hammers in like this cool like formation and like. Puts one above his head, another one on his side. I don't know. There's something Gary, just I, so cool. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I was on momentum to get to this <laughs> shot that I've been waiting. Like, it's one of my favorite shots in the entire episode. I'm not I'm trying so to sorry. talk over you. I'm just, go, go. oh my God, when he flings this first rock at him and he <laughs> breaks through it. And this look of fury on Zuko's face. Just this close up on his... Oh, I I'm I can't I, I like it gets me so excited, but also like terrified. Like, do you know you know the shot I'm talking about? Oh yeah, the way it's animated is incredible. The shot that you're talking about sounds very western as well. Just yes, like the, absolutely. Yeah. You like he is close ups are a very western thing. You know, like the the close ups of a reaction, not just a close up, but like a reaction shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like the the guy on the sideline being like, give, give him a left. left. <laughs> He's got a left sword. <laughs> He's got a left sword, Tony. Um, which is kind of goofy, but it's also like these guys are on his side because these people have been bullying everyone in the town. Not mm -hmm. just that vendor not, and this family. Everyone in the town is like, yes, please stop these people. Um, which is interesting and, you know, has a turn, a twist uh, at, by the end of this scene. Um 
But, oh, man, he starts giving him a barrage of stones. Zuko can't quite keep up because he's flinging these stones aside yeah, with swords. We see a look on Zuko's face when he realizes that this is he's bending now and this is mm-hmm. it like there's you know like i feel like for the first couple seconds of fighting this dude he's like i might be able to hold my own but once it gets to that barrage mm-hmm. his face almost has worry on it like yeah shit like he's a bender and i thought like i was going to be able to deal with this without having to bend myself you know mm-hmm. and the hit oh hits like a truck when he hits the ground and this mm-hmm. oh and the motion and of like his head and neck and yes. the uh, the sound effect as well, and it flashes away to his mother coming to him in his sleep, shaking him awake and saying, "Everything I've done, I've done to protect you, and and uh, promise me you will never forget who you are." Which, again, is I think something that is a healthy, beautiful thing to bestow on someone. Something that he's been missing, and that is he has brought to an unhealthy point, I think. Mm-hmm. Because what he brings that to mean in this moment, as he remembers that, is never forget who you are. I'm fucking Zuko, Prince of the Fire Nation. Like, and he bursts out this flame. I have no idea. I feel so conflicted about the ending of this. Because... Me too. In a way, it, I it, want him to, like, accept all parts of who like, he is. Yes. Is that him deciding, like, it doesn't mean I'm bad. It just means I'm a prince. Or is that him right. deciding, I want to go back and be on the Fire Nation side now? But I, the way he I like, says it is kind of menacing. There you is. You know, like, I, I feel like there is an element of that. Like, I am Zuko, son of Ursa, and, uh, or, you know, Prince of the Fire Nation. Heir mm. to the throne. Oh, by the way, at this moment, ooh, big old thing that I forgot to mention at the very beginning of the episode. Um, the first shot, the theme that we hear is a modified and incomplete Fire Nation theme. We hear a... It's like... It's a little different. It's different and like mystical and not quite as menacing. And there's hints of it throughout this episode. And then when he pops up and does this burst of fire and it shows him in flames, there is full on... It's back and in full force and Uh. of the Fire Nation. And that's partially what leads me to believe this is not like Zuko trying to accept all parts of who he is and try and benefit. He's going, no, fuck this. Why am I hiding? I'm the fucking prince of the Fire Nation. I am in charge here. You guys need to, like, clear out. And I don't think he realizes that that is effective and that message gets across to the people, which is not necessarily what he actually wants. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's also a huge parallel. Like, he's wreathed in flame just like the Fire Lord was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wasn't on your side until you said that. And then I was like, yeah, he he was. He's not. Well, I said, I, I wrote in my notes that he turned into the bad guy as soon as he started firebending. Like, right. everybody became off of his side and he was just finishing the fight. Right. Yeah. I think that there's definitely something to say to not necessarily a conscious thing that he's doing. Um, but I think there is a lot to say here in this episode about what does it mean to be a firebender and him deciding I'm the heir to the throne of the fire nation and then deciding to bend 
while I totally agree in his own heart, there is some malice there, like a little bit of like a, I'm tired of like doing this. The way he like follows up with like trying to give this knife back to the kid and being yeah. like, I'm sorry, makes me almost think this is the show showing us like the whole episode is trying to drill this in our head, but these are people, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. He can be a proud prince to a throne and still be defending this helpless young boy. You know, he's fighting bullies. He's not fighting Earth Kingdom soldiers. But the the overlying, like, what we've been dealing with so far and just, like, who he is makes you go, damn it, like, maybe he didn't quite get it. You know what I mean? It's like I a think... mix. Because, like, I always leave this thinking, like, I'm glad that he's not being, like, fuck the Fire Nation. Like, he's still able to find a way to, like, know... I don't know. To me, I'm almost like, does he now know that he could be a peaceful leader? Like, is that what he's saying here? Um, I don't think so. And I think the musical cue implies the music. Not, yeah, I, implies otherwise. I think this is a first moment of him realizing he cannot be both of those things in the world as it is now. So, what do you think mm. him trying to like? give this knife back to the kid is do you think it's more of like a shameful like i'm sorry i'm just not the one who should be able to have this or do you think it's like an immense like i'm sorry you had to see that or do you know what i mean by that i think it's it's his morality which was taught by his mother fighting pride and nationalism taught by his father and Mm -hmm. royal blood you know what i mean yeah like he doesn't totally understand when this kid's like i hate you because he's thinking Ooh, like in his head I like he i just proved my royalty though you know like why are you right and then it may and then he has to like that's another moment of realization for him like oh wait you know maybe that wasn't the best thing i just did he know? isn't surprised by it though he's hurt mm-hmm. you know he understands the fire nation mm-hmm. has caused so much damage in this kid's life and we've seen it he's seen it now He's never mm-hmm. seen this sort of thing until recently. I think the first Im- idea that he had that what the Fire Nation is doing has been hurting countless people was in the episode where he saw the burns on that woman's leg. Yeah. So these are new notions to him completely that he's trying to process. I'm not I I know I've been like sort of spouting out spout, spouting off a lot, but there's a lot of gray area here that I think is mm-hmm. like very important. intriguing and written and important. And it's because that's where he is, you know? Yeah, and they're not trying to give us just an episode where you go into this episode with a bad guy and you leave liking him now. He's a good guy. It's not that simple. We're showing you this gray area so that you Mm -hmm. can have hope for him in the future of the series. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to come back to Zuko next episode and expect him to be, like, fighting the Fire Lord. You know, we're coming back next episode expecting more. Like, okay, well, is he... You know, is he still, like, figuring this out? Or maybe he's still shitty. I don't know. Like, right. it's intriguing. It's not just a mm-hmm. answer, you know? We get this final flashback. The mother's disappeared. He runs to his father, and he, where is she? And we don't get an answer, and he does not respond. We get the implication, like, she's gone. She is... We don't know. He doesn't know if she's dead or banished or she's just gone. And then we get, you know, Ozai's crowning as the new fire lord which is also a funeral i think that's really interesting to know yeah yeah they like you like think about being that guy who does not i mean i think all three of us 
think that this was like some kind of not okay thing like Mm. we don't think this guy just gave him the crown right yeah so imagine being that guy and like you know you're looking down from avatar world heaven Mm -hmm. and your funeral is also just the crowning of this dude you know what i mean right like oh and it's Uh, also a very very cool funeral like and crowning like with all the red outfits and then the few people white. white yeah i don't know there's something really cool about it I feel like it's a bit more cultural than it is suspicious. Like, I'm not suspicious about this last part. I mean, I think it's definitely weird that Azulon died in the way that he died. And that's, yeah, that's the thing. Like, but I think this feels very cultural to this. Yeah. He was established to be in good health. He mm-hmm. was established to say he, to think it's blasphemous to betray his firstborn. And now they're stating that it was his dying wish to be mm-hmm. seceded by Ozai. A lot of fishy, a lot of fishy shit. And it makes you think. You know Iroh wouldn't do shit about all this. He's probably just like in such mourning that he's just like moving on with the information. Mm. Well, he's not you know, like, there. He doesn't yeah, even know about this yet. I right, think. exactly. Yeah. I, he, I think we do learn a little more about Iroh later, but we don't exactly know even where he is right now. If he's still like in mourning or if he's even here or... Mm-hmm what because like the next time we see him he's basically banished with zuko training him you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that's like how many years later so i don't know that's kind of an no, interesting totally. thing to think about too is like the one person who probably could be like wait this isn't right just mm-hmm. lost his son he's not even there Whew. well uh we we get this final shot of zuko riding off into the sunset beautiful <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> keep talking okay this final beautiful shot of Zuko riding off into the sunset. Very western sort of thing. We get this haze again off into the orange sunset. We get his back. He's sort of right back where he began. And one of the things that leads me into, like, you know, my idea of what all of this for Zuko meant is, like, in that moment, he breaks open and he's got the Fire Nation theme in full again. And in this ending moment... It's just these delicate strings. So you're thinking about him recalling all of this and being changed by it, but also he's sort of right back where he began at the very beginning of the episode. But instead of seeing his hardened, starving face from the first shot, this last shot is the back of his head going off into the sunset. Okay, so the reason that I was miming holding a rock for this uh, (laughs) entire last thing that Calvin was talking about Everybody's kicking Zuko out of the town and they all have weapons and they like look menacing. And there's this one guy, there's just one guy who is just holding exactly a small really? palm sized fucking rock. And it looks like his, there were, he, it looks like he had arms at his side and then they like erased that and animated so his elbow was up and he's just holding a rock just to make him look a little bit more threatening. But it does not work. He just looks stupid. Stupid! It is that's so hilarious. Funny. But yeah, uh, so that's why I was doing that. But okay. I'm sorry for undermining <laughs> no, your entire okay. thing. <laughs> it just made me very confused. <laughs> I think I'm realizing the visual bits don't work here. But the best thing about this podcast for me is I definitely went into this podcast, this episode, with the notion that I had just watched the episode about Zuko's character growth, mm-hmm. and I'm now leaving realizing that we didn't. We just watched an episode about Zuko. And his character growth is throughout the whole show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I'm just like so happy that like we have this medium to help us like kind of 
you know, because it's easy to consider this episode a like a lot bigger than it is. It's very, very simple. You know, it's just yeah. a a day in in his lonely life. But it's also it's just important, like, like... a vital for the depth of understanding his character. You know, the perfect yeah. title for the episode too, being just Zuko alone. Mm-hmm. It's yep. like it's all you need. Oh, I don't even need to watch the episode. I know exactly what's happening. Uh, we gotta get to a kid moment of the week here. Yeah, kid moment of the week. Hard um, one. Hard one. Yeah. What? What was? Uh, this is a very emotional episode. So there's not a lot of funny stuff. Um, Zuko hammering his own thumb was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. all the fucking pigs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The pigs Those were the two that I wrote. Pretty down. high. I also uh put a mark next to angry mama duck like coming oh, back yeah. after the baby duck comes back up and, and like duck comes in to and say just fucking attacks the shit out of him mm-hmm. <laughs> just like latched onto his leg he's like trying to get her off the mom has to come and help uh That's a good one yeah i don't know N- none in particular i like him looking over at this rooster pig and the beat <laughs> and then the let that's like mixed with an oink it's like yeah. an oink crow like or rooster yeah. what even is that i don't know man i think if this was Sokka, if that was Sokka in that situation it would be a lot funnier that's true yeah. but it's actually almost even funnier that it's zuko who's just like okay huh. like he, he's not <laughs> yeah, he's not about fun. to flip out about yeah, it. yeah if it was Sokka, it. it would jump on jump on his head and lay an egg or something right. yeah right. and then we would see we would see <laughs> no the egg would hatch and there would be a, a pig cow. <laughs> I gotta cut it off. Thank you <laughs> all for listening. I don't want to think about pigs and roosters and uh, birthing. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you again, Sam, for joining us for this episode. Yeah, it's, a um, it's a good time. If you want other things to listen to, and if you enjoyed Sam's contribution on this episode, uh, I'm sure... Even if you didn't and you were like, fuck that guy, you'll love <laughs> Legendary Four <laughs> Adventures. Space Vampires. Uh, thank you, Gary. Yeah. Our actual play D&D podcast uh, that you can find on pretty much all streaming sites. Yeah. Uh, Sam has recently taken over the editing uh, of the voices for that, which uh, I appreciate and has been sounding very good and has been giving me more time to work on music and sound effects and stuff so uh i think the quality of that's continuing to yeah. improve it's all um, sounding good yeah gary's also got his podcast uh hotbox the book club yeah just a little it's i mean the, the name kind of sums up what it is just a little <laughs> reading books talking about them in a really chill setting but uh i do that with my friend mitchell um who also does the music for my youtube channel if you've watched any of my videos on gary's review hell yeah so yeah well, uh, what a banger of an episode. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed hearing Bang us it. talk about it. Uh, yep. I'm Galvin. And I'm Gary. And I'm Sam. And this was A New Lens. That's the thing. I think what's what we talked about. Ooh, sorry, my dog's coughing. Yeah, because they're <gasps> sorry, having a little coughing fit. You okay, buddy? Get that out. Them so we don't see his whole face. That guy in the earth.
When you look at the nails, they're all just... <laughs> when you look at the nails, there are just Sometimes like... it's good to just like leave a person alone. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry. They give you enough hints that you can kind of piece it together. You know what I mean? They give you enough hints that you can kind of piece it together. You know what I, I mean? mean? We, I think we do learn a little more about Iroh. I think we do learn a little more about Iroh later, but we don't exactly know even where he is right now.